Hi, I'm David Kaplan, and you're listening to the Sports Talk Live podcast. Enjoy the show. Another day, another Bears lineman goes on injured reserve. This time, it's Akeem Hicks, the Pro Bowler. How can the defense overcome this major loss, and how much pressure is on the Bears to beat the Saints to keep the season from slipping away? Cubs managerial search continues with Gabe Kapler on deck, but no matter who they hire, next year may not be the year either. That plus I'll share my undying love for the Washington Nationals. And the sky is no longer falling. Blackhawks finally get their first win of the season thanks to a vintage performance from Corey Crawford. But is relying on Crow a sign that they haven't improved as a team? And welcome in to Sports Talk Live, presented by the Chevy Silverado. Hope you had a good day. I'm David Kaplan. Let's be the panel for today's show. J.J. Stankovic, NBC Sports Chicago. Chuck Garfine, our Chuck, NBC Sports Chicago. Connor McKnight from the Score Sports Radio 670. All right, let's get started with Akeem Hicks, who is headed to injured reserve. He will not be back until week 15 at the earliest, although the Bears do expect him to make a return. Connor, when you look at a guy like Akeem Hicks, and I know they handled Dalvin Cook without him, this is a massive loss. It is. It's a massive man. It's a massive loss. It, he's He does so much for them in the run game, and they're going to need a number of guys to step up. I don't know how much use of his hand Bilal Nichols is going to have when he comes back, but... I think part of this is going to shine a light on some underperformers on that defense. It's played really well, and it had one bad game against the Raiders. But you know where has uh, where's Floyd been? You know where do some of those cornerbacks step up? You can probably make a list of them. You need more interceptions. You need more takeaways. And without Akeem Hicks, that really does become a difficult task. Yeah, I mean the the, the Bears' defensive line is set up to withstand an injury, just given the depth that Jay Rogers has developed there. But losing Akeem Hicks, you, you can't overcome that and just say everything's fine because Nick Williams is playing well or Roy Robertson-Harris is playing well. Akeem Hicks is the second best, maybe best player on that defense, however you want to argue it. And I think, Connor, you're absolutely right. It, you know, Ted Monachino, their, their outside linebackers coach, today talked about it like not everyone's not going to like do anything different, but you kind of have to pull the rope a little more if you're an outside linebacker, if you're a safety, if you're a cornerback, just to make up for it. It's not like you need these guys to go – out of their minds and be any you know different players, but they need to be better. Like like you said, Leonard Floyd needs to make more of an impact. Eddie Jackson's got to get an interception in here. Like these guys need to step up. Yeah, there's a ripple effect too with him. He takes up so much space and so much attention, and now with him not there, I think you could see an effect, a domino effect with this. But what's the status with Alvin Kamara? I know it's only one week, but he's hurt. Maybe he's not going to play on Sunday. So for at least for one week. That might help the Bears' defense. Not I, even I don't know. I saw, I, I saw Latavius Murray run pretty well against the Jaguars on Sunday. I don't I'll know. I'll take him over I mean, Kamara, I, though. I, it's, it's huh. not, I'm not trying to diminish you know, Kamara not playing, obviously. But the, the one thing on Akeem Hicks that I, I give him so much credit for, and I, this is the one thing I don't think the Bears can replace, he played the fourth most snaps of any defensive lineman in the, in the NFL over the last three years, from 2016 to 2018. Uh, ahead of him, you know, you're talking to Dominican Sue, Leonard Williams, DeForest Buckner. We're talking to a guy who played 2,600 defensive snaps, Akeem Hicks, in, in the regular season. That level of durability combined with the success, that is what's hard to replace. Here's our Ankin Law Sports Talk Live poll question. Who's lost more significant to their respective unit, Kyle Long 
or Akeem Hicks. Go to NBCSportsChicago.com slash vote. For me, it's Akeem Hicks, and it's not close because Kyle's on his fourth consecutive trip to the IR. I didn't expect a lot there. Yeah, that poll should be absolutely redlined. Does it turn yeah. red when yes. it gets to 100%? Because it's absolutely Akeem Hicks. I, I think, too, you know, you pointed out, J.J., that you know that defensive line can survive one loss, and, and it's going to be tough without Akeem Hicks. But we saw it against the Raiders, too. Um, they didn't have their best day on the interior, and that allowed a really good Raiders mm-hmm. offensive line to Man climb to the second yeah. level, yeah. and they washed Roquan Smith out of plays. They washed Danny Trevathan out of plays, and that doesn't happen all that often for them. I don't know where Roquan Smith is at necessarily. I don't think he played as badly as some would have you believe against the Raiders, but he had two, maybe three plays that cost the Bears two, maybe three touchdowns if you he do did, it that was way. was second on the team in tackles. Yeah, nine tackles for him. That was second on the team, but you know his, his misses were touchdowns, um, and that defensive line has enabled those linebackers to be free yeah. in a lot of instances. That didn't happen. So what's the Saints' game plan going to be? I'm sure it's going to be a run up the middle, right? Well, I, I think I, it's not just as simple as a run up the middle. I think they need to look at what the Raiders did, kind of running those stretch and then cutback type plays where, I mean, granted, I don't know if you can have Richie Incognito doing legal cut blocks all the time like he was doing uh, against the, the Bears in, in London. You want to elaborate on that? What do you mean? What he was doing was borderline, <laughs> very much on the borderline. And since it's Rinchi Incognito, I'm not going to give him the. You cannot cut. Yeah, and he was doing it a lot. And I mean, you saw Eddie Goldman, the most mild-mannered dude on the Bears, was so angry during the game. You'd like never see Eddie Goldman show emotion, and he was so annoyed at it. That is, but I mean, you, the strategy though needs to be just try to run the ball and get get the Bears' defensive line moving a little bit, beat them, and then. If you can get your running backs to the second level, I, I mean, Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan are really good players, but there's no inside linebacker in the NFL, maybe save for Luke Keekley, who can have a ton of success when his defensive line is not getting those double what teams. What bothered me, there's an article by Vic Tafer, who for The Athletic covers the Raiders, and he's got quotes from the Raider offensive lineman going, we punched them in the mouth and they backed Oof. down to us. Yeah. Whoa! The number one defense in the league back down. Well, that's they were, embarrassing. They were also one of the few offenses to throw as many bodies as they could find at Khalil Mack as right. often as they could, or at least it felt like as often as they could. We've seen a lot, whether it was Washington or maybe even the Vikings, you know, trying to take number 52s, chasing down the backside there um, as, with just single coverage or maybe chipping a back in there or something like that. The Raiders paid attention to him, and probably because they shouldn't have let him go in the first place, they knew that he was a pretty darn good player. Well, they, they also got the ball out quick, which is a good strategy. It's something that we saw the Patriots use quite a bit. We saw the Dolphins last year use it quite a bit. Just get the ball out quick and don't even let Mac beat you by, you know, it doesn't matter if you have two guys on him, three guys on him, he can still beat you. If you get the ball out quick, you're not even giving him a chance to hit home. Uh, I, I'm interested to see what Sean Payton kind of takes away from this game because it was such a success, but it also does kind of feel like an anomaly in a way because the Bears defense is so good and sometimes they're just weird circumstances and a good game plan come together and you get a game like we saw in London. Let's not forget against the Eagles they gave up a long drive to lose the football game. Against the Raiders they gave up a 97 yard drive. I know they roughed the kicker, ran into the kicker. 97 yards and they shoved it right down your throat. That's embarrassing. I'm gonna think like all Bears fans are thinking that this was such a painful, embarrassing, humiliating loss that after a bye week, they're going to come out. I'd like to think they're going to come out and 
Thor in the faces of the Saints. I know the Saints are 5-1. and one. They've beaten some good teams. But let's see what the Bears are made of because this was a disaster, a, an international okay. disaster. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Is this to date, and he's only been here in his second season, to date this is the biggest coaching game Woo. of Matt Nagy's young career? Uh, no, I'm probably still handed to the playoff game, that Eagles game, where the mm. offense went pretty dry for three whole quarters, and it's been pretty dry for but the first But this is the first time we've heard season. Nagy getting doubted. No, that is that is true. You're right about that. I, I think when it comes – you mentioned the two long drives that they've given up, that the defense gave up, one against the Philly, Philadelphia Eagles and one a 97-yarder against the Raiders. To me, there is some onus there on the offense itself. You can't put together a four-minute offense. You can't yeah. hold on to the ball. You can't dictate your own terms the way they've been playing. They do not have a run game. They cannot get David Montgomery to the second level. And when Chase Daniel has been in, he's found linebackers to throw to. That's bad. When Mitch has been in, it's been really inconsistent so far. They, Matt Nagy owes it to this defense to figure out some sort of four-minute ball control scenario whereby you're not sending the defense back out onto the that field. Is, that is... Exactly what Matt Nagy said after the game Sunday. That was his message when he was asked about the defense and, and that drive. And he said, look, you know, these things are going to happen. It's the NFL. It, you're going to have a bad possession. You're going to have a game where you give up 100 yards on, on the ground. That happens. What we need to do in, as an offense is cover for it. And, Connor, you, you mentioned that Eagles playoff game. Yeah. Right before that long playoff, the drive that won the game for the Eagles, the Bears had the ball and they went three and out. They had, I think it was a negative play. Uh, uh, incomplete pass and then a sack, if I believe it, what it was. Whatever it was, it was a three and out. That cannot happen. And it happened against the Broncos, too, if you remember, where the Kyle Fuller had that interception. Bears don't go anywhere. Broncos get the ball back. They go down, score, take the lead, and the Bears win that game on a, on a miracle. But that, that is a problem that late in games, this offense struggles to control the ball and just bleed the clock out. I think what we're saying is if there's one offense the Bears' defense needs to be the most concerned with, it's the Bears' offense. No question about it. <laughs> no question about it. I would not disagree with the that, Saints Chuck. Were That's not, a great I point. I watched the Saints and the Jags the other day. They were not great offensively. No. But they were elite defensively. Right. Now, granted, it was Gardner Minshew, but why – should we think he's any worse than Mitchell Trubisky? He's but they better. need to stay on the field. You gotta maybe. Gi- you got to give your defense a chance, give it a rest, and put some points on the board. You look at this Bears offense right now, and, I mean, there's so many elite offenses, elite quarterbacks in the NFL, and we're not seeing that right now from the Bears. Here, here's my worry for the game Sunday. Look at what Marshawn Lattimore has done the last two weeks. Mike Evans, I believe, had no catches and news matched up against Lattimore. DJ Chark, two catches. He's matched up against Lattimore. Lattimore is probably going to follow Allen Robinson around the field. And Mitch Trubisky has showed that when Robinson is not open and nothing's there for Robinson, he struggles because Robinson is such a great safety net slash explosive weapon that, you know, against the Packers, look at that game where Robinson wasn't open and he couldn't get the ball to Robinson on, on a lot of those plays. He struggled. Then he forced one in the end zone. Game over. That is my worry for this game, that Trubisky is going to have to be able to get the ball to Gabriel, to Miller, to Burton, to Cohen, to Shaheen, these guys who to an extent have underperformed, but also to an extent Mitch has underperformed, getting them the ball. I think that's where this game's going to be won and lost. All right, speaking of the Green Bay Packers, they were able to find a way to win last night, albeit by one point on a chip shot field goal at the end. There were some horrific, horrific officiating, and I think the NFL has a crisis on their hands, especially with the advent 
of sports gambling, you're going to have more and more people <laughs> that are going to be furious with what they're seeing. Tell me how this is not pass interference. How uh, is that not pass interference? Can't. You can't. That's pass interference, Cap. That's pass interference. What, I mean, what else you got? You got two illegal hands penalties to the face on Flowers, Trey Flowers. Where? Neither one did he touch the head, the face mask, none of it. There's two touchdowns in this game that weren't actually touchdowns. Yeah, the one where his knees down. Look at this still frame. He's not in. And sure, maybe they get in eventually and you're there on the inch line or what have you, but those aren't actually touchdowns. I, we, we have put so much technology into our officiating, and I don't think that that's inherently a bad thing, but it brings with it a whole bunch of problems. When you've got ownerships, like the Saints ownerships, who are so hurt about an injustice carried against them in the playoffs last year, you start to see people um, with sway make emotional decisions about things that affect more than just the outcome of one playoff game. I think especially in the NFL, in the NFL and it might be different for baseball, and it might be different for basketball, but the way the NFL works, one play, a whole bunch of set of potential penalties, you review it, you take a look, you go run the next one. An eye-in-the-sky officiating yes. system that is more based on, on essentially prior restraint than it is the actual live adjudicating of penalties in the one time. Like, that just makes more sense to me. Let well, it yeah, be have a guy sitting up there who's done it. The, the sky camera. judge is, is a there great and goes, idea. That is interference. Sky judge. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, we have the technology. You look back at football in the 18, 1880s, excuse me, the 1980s. <laughs> And half the time, you couldn't even tell what really happened there. And there was maybe one or two replays, and you just moved on, and you just accepted the fact that, well, this was just how we interpreted the play. We don't have the video evidence to back it up anymore. We have cameras everywhere with shots that reveal exactly what happened, and they do not have the ability to use that technology to give everybody the right decisions. I, that is yeah. makes me right. crazy. On to baseball, the Cubs search for Joe Madden's replacement continues with the Phillies' former skipper on deck. Meanwhile, regardless of who they hire, can they return to the playoffs next season? Thinking around Wrigley might not indicate that. Ooh. And the Washington Nationals are one win away from ending my long national nightmare of watching the Cardinals in the playoffs. I'll share my joy at the prospect of them getting swept tonight next on STL. Cubs authentic fans. The My Teams app by NBC Sports is your home for Cubs highlights, articles, and more. For the best Cubs coverage anytime, anywhere, download the My Teams app today. Well, Gabe Kapler, who likes to eat ice cream but not swallow it and spit it back in a bowl so he doesn't gain any weight, is at Wrigley today interviewing <laughs> with the Chicago Cubs. Is that in his resume? Is that like when he, you know, He's a weird. He introduces dude. himself to people. He says that he is a different cat. Okay, okay. Sorry. But he's in a ama- he's better shape than any of the players. <laughs> that guy's a beast. Anyway, after being fired by the Phillies, he is going to interview with the Cubs and is believed he was at Wrigley today. So I ask you guys this: Where is the managerial search, Connor, headed? You know, Gabe Kapler is an interesting candidate for me. Um, I Why? like the idea. I, I like the idea of a guy who was as you got to remember, Gabe Kapler was very well thought of by a number of different organizations when he was hired as pro player development guy for the Dodgers. 
Um, there are some issues with his past there in the Dodgers. He will have to answer for a lot of questions uh, that were all under his purview at the time. He had a number of players uh, with sexual assault complaints and allegations around that, and whether he handled those allegations and complaints the way that the, uh, the union and the collective bargaining agreement said he needed to, that's a conversation that he's got to come clean about and has to atone for if he did not follow the letter of the law. About a managerial candidate, I, I kind of like the idea of a guy who's had a chance, learned some lessons, failed, and retains the good things that made him a, a candidate as a manager and then takes it to the next spot. That's how Tito Francona got his gig with the Indians, uh, rather with the Red Sox, and it worked out well there. I, I like that thought process, and there's always the thing you, something you can learn from someone who's been embedded in good organizations the way Kapler was. I'm, I, I, it's tough to read this one. The David Ross seemed like a slam dunk possibility for the, for the Cubs. And I maybe, still think it is. And, it's, mm-hmm. and it still might be. Um, Girardi had this eight-hour meeting with him, with, with them at Wrigley Field. And it's tough to read the tea leaves about where they're going to go. It just seems like David Ross would be the guy. But if he's going to be the guy, why didn't they already make the call? I, I heard this, and I kind of buy into it, that the Cubs interviewed David Ross. But now that you're interviewing all these other candidates to get, the, get some ideas of, you know, learn what happened, what went wrong with Gabe Kapler in Philadelphia because if things might start to go wrong with David Ross, you might need to know, hey, this is what Kapler told us about what went wrong with his tenure there. Same with Joe Girardi, what could go wrong, what could go right. Just get all these different ideas instead of saying, hey, we want David Ross, we're going to hire him, we're not going to interview anyone else. Go and, you know, essentially do some window shopping. Get some and, intel. Yeah, get some intel. And, and granted, maybe you'll find out one of these guys, you're like, wow, that guy's great, we got to hire this guy. But if you don't do your due diligence, and you never you, know. you, you'll never know. I mean, this was an organization that was sure Kyle Schwarber was going to turn into the next great thing, that was sure Albert Amora was going to do the same, and that was sure that Addison Russell was going to do something similar. They can't just be sure that David Ross is going to be the next great manager. I think they're going to hire him too, Cap. I think that's the guy that ends up getting the job. But you can't just, there he is, David Ross, our next manager, and sell it to everybody. Because you have failed for two years. You know, you have really, you've got scars from the way you exited the playoffs and didn't get there this last year. So I think, you know, interviewing these guys and and gathering as much information as you can is kind of, it's, it's as much a check on them and their process as anything else. Okay, first of all, their processes need to be better. Absolutely. They have failed a lot since the World Series. And I still would want Theo and Jed building my team if I own one. They're great, but they are in a slump. That's just a fact. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that I personally do not believe, and people I talk to in the game do not believe that team is close to being back to a World Series team. In fact, they may even take a step back in 2020 to try and rebuild for the future. So what's a step back for them and trying to rebuild on the fly? Rather than throwing money at the problem going, let's go get Garrett Cole and let's sign three relievers and our payroll's at $240 million, I believe that privately they're looking in the mirror going, and these are just facts. Who's our leadoff guy? Don't know. Who's our second baseman? Maybe Nico Horner, but we don't know. Who's the center fielder? Don't know. Who's our eighth inning leverage guy? Don't know. So how do you Is Craig Kimbrell ready to come back and be the guy they thought they bought? Don't know. Who are their five starters? Maybe no three. Darvish, Hendricks, 
Maybe. And, and Lester. Quintana, 11 ERA in September. Not sure. So what do so you they do got to, a lot of holes. So what do you do? You try to address them, or do you say, well, it's status quo from last season? They're not going to do that either. So no. how do you fix it? So I think it? you take a step back, and you say, you know what? Javi, there's a seven-year deal or whatever the number is at $32 million a year. You in? Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm in. Okay, sign it. Chris, here's an offer. You in? Yeah, I'm going to wait. Okay, good. You're out. Sign it, or they're going, to, they're going to start to move chips around and go, we're getting this thing back on solid ground. We're going to cut back a little rather than just go, all we need is a couple bullpen arms, and we're there. They're not. No, they need, a, they need a whole host of arms. I mean, if you go through their top six paid pitchers right now, they're all over 30. One of them throws 85, and the other one can't throw a strike, and that's Tyler Chatwood. I mean, that's your starting five right now likely involves Tyler Chatwood because I, I don't think Cole Hamels is likely back for this rotation. Agreed. That would be something that's very, very difficult for them to do. Um, they need arms. They need to have developed those arms. As if you can't happened. do that, you've got to go find arms that other teams have developed, and that costs elite talent. I think they would be – I think given the talent they have, I think they'd be somewhat foolish to just trade Chris Bryant outright. But if you're trying to look at, at other places where you can make this roster better, I think Javi, I think Wilson Contreras, I think Schwarber. I mean, you, you absolutely have to open the door to all those options because you could go into this whole season looking at a rotation that's, like I said, all over 30, one of whom throws 85, and then you've got two injuries that are going to happen and nobody to fill in for them whatsoever. It's bleak. Can it, I, can I throw this you? thing is bleaker than people want to admit. So mm-hmm. can, I, can I throw you a softball, Chuck? Yeah. Better record next year, Cubs or White Sox. Oh, okay. It's tough to answer that question in October. We don't know what moves the White but Sox ba- are going to make. But look, say, at what, look at the discussion we just had right, and I, the hope you have for the White Sox. Okay, I will say this. If the White Sox are able to convert on three or four medium to big moves in the offseason, they could have a better record than the Cubs next year. I'll say that. They could. Yeah. But I don't know what their moves are going to be. The Cu- it's too early. I, I'm with Connor. If the Cubs are really honest with themselves. And I think they should be right now. I think they are, right? They should be. Yeah. If they're truly honest, they look in the mirror and they go, okay, if we go to Tom and we sign Garrett Cole, I'm not saying he'd even come. Sure. But Tom says, okay, do it. And it's eight years at $240 million, whatever the number is. Right, it's right, stupid right, money. Right. Does Garrett Cole put that team in the back in the playoffs? No. No, no absolutely you, not. You need more. That's, you, you can get Garrett Cole. So do you throw good money after a bad situation? And I'm not saying they're a bad team. But they're not what they need to be. You you recreate the situation then. I mean, it's 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 not sign Garrett Cole and nothing. It's sign Garrett Cole or whoever the elite free agent is. You know what I'm talking about. Then then you have to make your next moves. I don't think that division, the NL Central, is. I mean, it, it just wasn't as good as it as everyone thought it would be going into this year. And I I don't think even though the Cardinals are there in the playoffs and about to head out, I don't think that's that great a baseball team. I don't no, think the Pirates you, are that great a baseball the Reds team. Could be. I, I think the Reds could be interesting, but I still don't see it a 95-game winner in that. You, the division comes to you at times. You can contend. And I think you absolutely owe it to the roster that you've constructed and your business there to go after a division that's still go after a bowl. That's a phrase I've just made. <laughs> you can have it. But do you believe that they, as currently constituted, are good enough to go, we can get in and win the World Series? I think you have to look in the mirror and see who they are as a team. And 
they still have a nucleus that should be able to win a whole lot of ball games. So I could say, yeah, they could, they can be better than the record was this past season. But uh, they got to fix some of their problems. Craig Kimbrell, that hasn't worked out very well, has it? Right. Yeah. I, they, I mean, listen, they want Theo and all the and uh, and Jed won a World Series title. They deserve. I mean, Theo's going to the Hall of Fame. But the track record from free agents lately, and how they've been able or their inability to develop pitchers for the last what? Five years? That's not good. This is what. This is why the problem. There's a problem that exists with Five this years team since they came. All right. So seven years. Seven years. Eight. Eight years. That's uh. That's not good. I think baseball is still get in and see what happens, though. I mean, I understand that the Astros and the Yankees and the Dodgers are terrific ball clubs, and they're deeper than than anybody probably imagined. But get in and see what happens. Dave Roberts is still going to be the manager of the Dodgers. He'll hand one to you if you ask him nicely. That these things happen, and I, I you know, that the way the Nationals played too, they have a terrible bullpen. But when you get into a short series like this, you shorten things up in the bullpen. You shorten the staff. You only use the six good pitchers that you do have. Things look a little bit, a little bit different for you. And you also might get lucky and find lightning in a bottle with a guy like Howie Kendrick, who debuted in, what, 2006? Right, and so, has never been like that good. But, like, all of a sudden, no, you get a guy who you gets on a, a hot streak. Yeah. And you get a Connor if, if Gillespie. You're just, yeah, if you're... I You're saying the Cubs should sign Connor Gillespie. I wanted the White Sox to sign. They do need a Connor. I wanted the White Sox to sign Howie Kendrick last offseason and the offseason before because he is kind of a glue guy. He's a great leader in your clubhouse. He's a veteran. He's been there before, and he can do stuff like that when he gets hot. Right. For Chicago Sports Talk with Sizzle, crank up the heat and turn on STL. Host David Kaplan brings his no-nonsense opinion to the table every weeknight on the topics that are trending with our teams. Sports Talk Live, presented by the Chevy Silverado, weeknights at 6 on NBC Sports Chicago.